Welcome to I'm Okay Though, podcast about, I mean, it's about mental health, but it's also normalizing therapy, and it's also just two friends having a chat. So welcome, my name's Owen Cutts, I'm a songwriter, producer, and with me is Jodie Karras. Say hello. Hello. Yeah. What, what do you do? <laughs> I'm a therapist, and I am the founder of Self Space, which is a contemporary mental health service. It's not as catchy as yours, is it? It's not as cool as It's mine. not as cool as yours. <laughs> no, it's a good job my uh, mission isn't to be cool. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> How are you? I'm feeling good today. But what I've been doing recently, which is what I told you, is that, and this is definitely because of therapy, I've learned this through therapy, is that everything is temporary and that today I feel good. So I'm just going to sit in that and I'm going to enjoy feeling good. And when I feel sad or when I feel depressed or I want to feel low I've just been kind of like okay sitting in it I mean like okay let's feel this and I know that that's temporary so powerful that hey this idea that feelings are transient that we don't have to rush to an exit nail on the head I don't have to rush to an exit when I finally said I'm not trying to make myself feel better yeah I'm just like okay I know that one day I'm going to feel different. So right now, I'm not going to try and make myself feel different. I'm just going to sit in the in the feelings, yeah. Do you know, it's, it's one of the key components to addictive behavior, actually, which is that the idea of not being able to bear what it is. So, so our quick exit is the thing that we do. So rush to spend money, take a drink, eat a bit more food, whatever it is that we do to kind of exit quickly from an emotion right and as children like we're told it right pull yourself together you know wipe away your tears stop crying yeah don't why do you look so sad in a kind of judgy way which sort of disallows us that idea of kind of moving through it on our own there's also that point of like when a kid falls over the difference between oh you're okay you're okay up you get smile you're okay haha <laughs> and oh are you okay you know, that's how we learn that that, that pain is, is transitional. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. Like that kind of physical pain, they're not many that are really, really long lasting. There are some. Yeah. But often it's momentary. I bump my head or I knock my elbow and ow, that really, that's really painful. But then I moved through that and now I'm with something else. So it's interesting that you say that. I'm glad that therapy's taught you that. Therapy's taught me Very that. Very good. Learning. Good. Every day's a school day. <laughs> and so when you say I'm feeling good, what's that mean for you then? I feel positive. I think I've thrown a lot into my work and my work's very obviously creative and I have the ability to be creative no matter how I'm feeling, which has been great. Sometimes it reflects your feelings, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm lucky enough to just sort of really zone in or zone out with work. Do you think that your, because your work is kind of your art, do you think that actually it's a vehicle for processing feelings? It must be because I can say something through someone else. Or you can, you can go in to the studio feeling a particular way and then you have an experience with your music, which means that when you leave, you feel differently perhaps, so that you're kind of processing through the creation of what you're doing. So your creativity is a way of you kind of 
leaning into what's going on for you and through it you're like you feel something else or it it, it kind of evolves into something else I think it's a luxury though I know it's a luxury so many people's jobs if I think about clients that come to self space that they have to or believe they have to put a mask on that they have to go in there isn't a place to process so you know, when there are few jobs actually where you get to kind of create and make. And I guess that must be particularly hard for people who have like a mask on at home and then they have to put a different mask on for work. Yeah, I think it's tough. And, you know, particularly in the UK, that kind of mentality, which is you leave your home life at the door of your job. I mean, it's just bullshit. It's like we are ourselves. If you are grieving, if you are anxious, if you're worried about money, that's going to show up in your work. We aren't different people. We are the same person. And I think um, if you are able to be creative within the, the thing that you call your job, it's quite healing or can be. It can also be really painful and difficult. Yeah. Also, I think, I feel like sometimes it's it's like I escape through it. Sometimes I'm just like, I just get me into the studio. I just need to be there. I need, I want to hide there. I want to hide there. Right, yeah. I want to hide there and just like, I guess because I'm a writer, producer that I sort of like, I want the artist, I, I, like, let's see what's going on with you. Let's focus on you. Let's, you know, pull it out of you. And then I guess through the day, maybe I add little bits of me. I must do. Yeah. Add little bits of me in there and it ends up being cathartic for both of us, I guess. Yeah. And it's a kind of, I think when you're learning, you're kind of growing. You know, I notice it in therapy that I can go in feeling rubbish myself and then through the work that I'm able to do with my clients which is really anti-loneliness if you like so you're really able to be with another which is I imagine what it's like when you're making music when it's going well that you suddenly you can locate yourself in the other person or in the in the magic that you make together and then you suddenly are feeling different and and it might not be like really cognitive or conscious but something is happening in the process definitely often when we think about mental health which we've spoken about before we only think about our ill health and we don't think about how talking about how we feel can help good relationships be great can help us thrive at work can help us understand ourselves and what potential we're not living into and I think you know all of these things contribute to how we feel and how we might feel And uh, I I think kind of reaching our potential and how we do that in our life is massively linked to how we feel and our mental health. And would you say, just for sort of clarity purposes, reaching your potential in what? Everything. So this idea, listen, we're never fully grown. That's the truth of it, psychologically, as, as I understand it. But I think there is a tipping point where perhaps we have times in our life where we really just don't feel ourselves we don't have confidence we don't feel ourselves we're not living into the edges of who we are because I think when we do that we feel really kind of grounded and our esteem can be really high and I think that's about how we tap into our potential and I I don't mean that means being mega successful however you view success but that you feel authentic you feel like I I'm in a 
position of challenge and growth, which is good. It feels alive, let's just say. And what if someone just hasn't have doesn't have the foggiest idea how to start that, how to do that? What do they do? Well, I think the first thing is if you're feeling kind of apathetic about life or a bit miserable or a bit unfulfilled, then I do think it's really important not to just accept that. Yeah. To really think about what is it that I can change and what, what even though it might be scary, yeah. what can I do here to liberate myself? And often when we're in that space where we do feel shitty, really difficult to have an eye on what, what else is possible. Right. And and that's the work, right? That's how you how you get there. I mean, have you ever had it where you're just like, I just can't make music? I've had it more where I'm just like, oh, like nothing I'm doing is good. I can always make music, but it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't hit the spot. Like I know I can do better. It's not inventive enough. It's just not creative enough. Maybe not creative enough. So I sometimes set aside days just to work on starter ideas or you know so sometimes it's useful to have like a folder of little ideas that could spark something in the room you know if, mm. if you're struggling with an artist or you're they say have you got anything to listen to you can just go through this so it's, it's, you can go through the list of pre-prepared little ideas they're not full of songs they're mm. just like little ideas so a good idea it's obviously you have to make them so mm. you put aside days to make them and sometimes i've sort of been sitting there trying to make these ideas and just been like oh, just like every chord I go to is just the same or is basic or the progression isn't good enough and like the drums don't sound nice and like, you know, I have those kind of things. Mm. So I'm never not able to make music, but mm. I often have it where I'm just like, this isn't good enough. I'm not satisfied by what I'm doing. At all. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel like that about work, about maybe about their relationships, about life in general and it can feel pretty horrible it can feel like you're at sea and like yeah. like you say i've got a folder of little ideas how could we ap apply that to the rest of our life yeah would be really nice you know what yeah. what kind of journal prompts can you think about that might support you to move from where you are to where you want to yeah. be as a kind of like little sort of emergency break glass yeah. sort of thing that's yeah. what i use them for and also how do we push through the fear of change. How do we go, okay, I can feel different or I can do something differently. Yeah. And it's going to feel properly scary, probably. I guess what people need is like, they need evidence that, that that's going to happen. Yeah. That it's going to work. That if you do go down the scary road, that it is going to be worth it. Yeah. And if you haven't had any evidence of that. Yes, or you haven't tried or you don't have the support in place. It's like, don't walk down a dark alley on your own. Who's going to hold your hand? Yeah, yeah. We don't have to do this stuff alone. And actually just telling someone else, you know, life isn't feeling so good at the minute or, uh, you know, I, I don't, I can't find myself in my work. It feels just like a job yeah. and I don't want to have just a job. Yeah. And that support can come from anywhere, really. Yeah, I think it? so. I think it's about having the courage to first speak up. Do you think that's the hardest bit? I think it's not necessarily the hardest, but I think it, it starts something. Because the minute you let somebody else in, like really let somebody else in, then you're not al alone with it. And so it can anything can feel a bit more possible. Yeah. So I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do. 
you know, is to give somebody insight into where you're at. Yeah, I guess I'm asking because it's like, if that's the hardest bit, then you just got to do that bit and then the rest isn't... <laughs> will come easy. No, but isn't as hard, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think we can spend a long time going from one thing to another or... I don't think it happens often in one big big step, which is like, God, I feel terrible or really, this just isn't working. Oh, amazing. This is all perfect now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've told my oh, friend and now, <laughs> now everything's magic. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. It's increments. It's step by step. It's, Do you think that's a misconception of therapy? Yeah, 100%. I have loads of clients who are like, right, okay, I've been, I've come for three weeks now and I don't feel any different. Okay, right. So what's the expectation on the, on on this work then? And how is that realistic? You know, like our better mental health is consistent work. That's the truth of it. It's in and out of the therapy room, I guess. In and out of the therapy room. How do we you know, how do we meet ourselves with compassion and a kick up the arse, which is is not always that comfortable. So I I think the expectation that we'd, okay, I've told somebody that I don't feel great or I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm reaching my potential even. And I stepped into the therapy room and I don't feel instantly better. That's a misconception. It can feel like relief to have people having insight and how you talk about how they can support you is really, really important and helpful in your life. But I do think keeping well is and, and maintaining your mental health is everyday work. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't expect to run a marathon and not having trained, or if you did, you'd know you're going to bloody struggle. And I think we should think about our mental health in the same way. Yeah, as more of a marathon. Yeah, as training, as kind of building stamina and muscle and all of that stuff. And I suppose in, in sort of like reaching your potential and creativity, if we're on that note, is there something to be said for like doing something creative to help you reach your potential? Yes. Well, maybe something around how being lost in a process for ourselves can really help us to knit things back together. So if you think about when you're a child, you spend a lot of your time probably playing or in a kind of dream world or looking at stories. You're quite unconscious in your processes and when we come into adulthood we're much having to be much more conscious where am I going what am I doing you know we have much less time to play and if we think about creativity as playing it doesn't necessarily need to be doing art or it might be you know collecting toy airplanes or records or it might be it's a hobby, right? A hobby, something that's like play for you, something that feels not necessarily outcome driven, and we call it inner child work, which I think lots of people are like, "Ugh, that's wild, cheesy," and I don't want to do that. Inner child work. That's where you connect with the younger version of yourself, the the bit of you that maybe didn't get the love or the validation or care that you might have needed and you go back to that place a bit mm -hmm. and you try to tap into what did you like doing as a child is there any merit in going back to that yeah what did that little version of you like doing what did you do when you were a child were you into tunes then yeah I think I think I've always been into music but my parents always say that I was into this lego techniques I get the impression that I wasn't a good sit stiller, 
but Lego Technics had me, gripped me. I was just into it. Because you were making something. I was making something, yeah. Yeah, so that process is kind of partly conscious. I know what I'm doing, but it's also something else. It's yeah. it's look at my ability, look at what I can do, look at all the potential here. Yeah, and also like, I think I liked following instructions. I think I liked looking at the instructions. And do you know what? I still do. You know when you have to like build a cabinet from Ikea? I like that stuff. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, because what I do is I, I get the instructions out and then I, I, I lay every single piece <laughs> out on the floor. And then I go page by page. And all the little bits are there. And I put it all together. And it all makes sense. And it all makes sense until... It doesn't. Until you've put <laughs> a, a leg around the wrong way or something. And you have to kind of... But almost even then, I'm like, okay, I put that screw in the wrong way. And I kind of take everything apart again and then build it back together again. But the right way, I really enjoy it. Well, it's not dissimilar from making a piece of music, right? No, not at all. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, apart from the following the instructions. Yeah, where you're not, you're following, but but there has to be a process to what you do. One, there's a technical job at hand, right? And yeah. the other is the creative element. Yeah. So how, how how can I put my spin yeah. on it? It's also knowing, I think making music is like, is about choices. And it's like knowing what works with well together you know it's like I'll, I'll get like really obsessed with like one kick drum sound but I know that kick drum sounds nice with an organ or I know that if I do you know like all these different elements I can pull in like from to prior build it up. to build it up from like prior knowledge be like okay let's use the Mellotron here and let's use the thing and maybe if we put your vocal in the middle I can hear it all already a bit like laying out all the parts of your like IKEA. all the parts of my, yeah my yeah. IKEA. Yeah, or no. my Lego Technics. <laughs> yeah. But so there's something, I think, for everybody to be gained from from finding something which nourishes them outside of their work or inside of the work even. Yeah. We know when something feels good and feels right. And I think it is important to do more of that. Yeah. What's yours? What do I do? Yeah. Good question. I I do quite a lot of wellness practices. Like I don't meditate. I've never been able to meditate, but I do the gym and I do yoga. So I do those things. I really love reading. I find there's something kind of really what, yeah, like novels or, yeah, just yeah. kind of trashy books and sometimes not. Yeah, I like to do that. And I'm a bit of a kind of like I potter. Like I like pottering around the house and moving. A vase yeah. from left to right, stuff like that. Not tidying, but kind of just being in my own world. And my mum says that I used to spend hours in my room. Don't know what I was doing, like moving stuff around. And... Did you love when you were a teenager, like rearranging your whole room? Yeah, I was so cool. And putting new bed sheets on. Yeah, yeah, every few months. Yeah, that was a thing. I also used to collect rubbers as well, like erasers. Oh, wow, yeah. that is so crazy. Collecting things and order, though. Yeah, yeah. Ordering things, Ordering. collecting obsessively, What's all collecting those things. About? Collecting, it depends how much preoccupation it takes. So if you're obsessing about something, it's probably a diversion from what you're really feeling. But collecting things in a kind of non-obsessive way, which feels kind of creative for you, it fills you up, it's fun. That's a bit different, but it, if we 
are trying to hide or distract ourselves by obsessing about a thing, spending is one of those. You know, if you can't leave a shop without an item, I'd want to be challenging you on that. That's not good. No. I mean, we can really, really want something, but we also need to be able to let it go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spending is a really big compulsion for for people now, particularly at the moment. But yeah, so collecting, I think, and children do like collecting things. It's it's also how they show their mastery. Like, look at all these things that that are mine and they are meaningful to me. I'm trying to think what I collected. (laughs) I definitely know the feeling. Marbles was a thing in my school. Trolls. Trolls. They've had a resurgence right now. Yeah, because there's a film, right? Yeah, Trolls and Care Bears. Did you have Care Bears? I never had Care Bears. Younger than me, I think. No, I had Care Bears, but you could... You didn't have Care Bears. I was like, Care Bears were girls. (laughs) But you had Trolls. (laughs) Yeah, I had Trolls, yeah. I I have this recollection. I don't know if this is made up, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I went to a museum with my parents in Yorkshire and in a cabinet was like the second troll ever made wow right and we bought it no you did not see this is where I'm looking How, back and being sure like are you sure you didn't imagine that you have it at home I have it I wow. have it how much oh, was it at my parents house like 40 pounds this is like <laughs> <laughs> it's all when you say it out loud it all feels like such nonsense that's why like I'm a, like is it I a might, dream yeah no I definitely have the thing did they buy it for you yeah they bought it for me is it in a box still yeah no it's not still in a box it's just like on the shelf wow and then obviously like I collected loads of other trolls but I was always like you know I've got a second ever troll do you think it really was the second see, one see now <laughs> I could have been lied to or maybe I lied to my I don't know I must research I must ask my mum But you see, I think these moments, like reflecting on your childhood and those things, is really important for us to be able to, one, not look at our life in kind of rose-tinted glasses, which we often do. There's nothing, my childhood was fine. Maybe it was, but it's also really important to look at it and, and what you remember from that trip and kind of how it made you feel special to have that one whether it was it or not the second yeah, yeah, yeah. One, you believed it and Why so the it mattered one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool it's a cool story there's a place in london called the museum of childhood have you been there no it sounds great it's in bethnal green and it's got like all the toys from the first it's by the it's a vna museum and the kids really love it it's all the toys from the first toy that was ever made wow. to, to now and it's got like dolls houses and Everyone I've ever, when my kids were small, we used to go there quite a lot. And everyone that I ever take there is just lost in a kind of world of remembering their childhood and, you know, what their experience was of creativity and playing or was life so turbulent and stressful that there wasn't any space to play? Yeah. You know, like we can't play if if life doesn't feel contained and safe. It's a, um, so there's quite a lot in it whilst we're talking about random shit. And I guess like, you do do a lot of creating when you're a kid. Yeah. You do do a lot of art and yeah. painting and messy play and getting stuck in. and. It's how you know, understand life, right? It's how you work things out. The, more, the older you get and the more or the less time you have. The less time, the more stresses in life, yeah. the more pressure on your productivity, yeah. the more disruptions to your your internal processes mean that we just play so much less. I 
might have said this already on previous episode, and if I have, I apologise, but it does feel quite relevant, is that a couple of years ago, I took up photography. I just wanted to get into it, and I just wanted to have a hobby. And so I got into lenses, and I got into like aperture and cameras and light. Learned it was all about light, basically. Photography is all about light and how much light you let in. And like really like helped me, my mental health. Mm. Like, how? How did it help Because you? it gave me something to obsess over. It gave me like a a thing that bared results. It was such a, it still is such a like great experience for me to like, also like see yourself get better. Like occasionally you'll take like a really amazing photo and you just like keep that photo and you're just like, wow. Maybe there's also something about how you reclaim yourself. So did that start after you had your kids? Yeah. So this idea of where we where we 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 feel like we're pouring all the time, we're giving out, whether it's to our relationships, to our jobs, to our kids, to our you know families, and it's really important to identify how we can replenish our cup. What can we do to fill ourselves up? And and often those things include something creative for your soul, for your mind. Yeah. And I think there should be encouragement more for that you know and I know companies do it you know there's a creative bursary but then that can become really competitive or like they're doing this and they you know it doesn't need to have anything of value to anyone else it's about meaning for you yeah that's what photography was for me I mean yeah it's nice when someone says that's a nice picture but I don't get paid I don't want to make it into a job it's just really fun yeah and like and it also gave me a purpose to like go out yes like, I'm going to go out and do an afternoon of taking photos. Yeah. So I'm going to go, like, during lockdown, I went with a friend down to the centre of London when it was a ghost town. We got bikes and rode down there, took pictures of, like, Oxford Circus completely empty. It's like, these are, like, once in a, like, lifetime pictures to take. Yeah. So it was, like, a purpose to go out. It was a purpose to kind of, like, being a kid. But photos are so amazing, hey. And I, I, you know, from a... I often ask my clients to bring photos in, photos of their past or things that really they connect to because there's so much in looking and remembering yeah. and really remembering, you know, what was really happening then or we can't remember and there's something in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this idea of photos, these moments in time uh, matter and you can see why things like, it, you know, Instagram and uh, Facebook are so successful because we can all get captured by images and yeah. and the idea of these moments in time. And yeah, so an encouragement, I guess, from this episode to not to put pressure on yourself to be creative, but to to think more about, you know, what do I have an interest in? Or, you know, what did I? And can I kind of go there? I've got a client who used to play the piano when she was younger and hadn't, hasn't since. And she's really struggling. And she's now playing the piano again. And really? she loves it. And Wow. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense to yeah. her of something. Do you know, I think you hit on something with the collecting. because <laughs> You just want my rubber collection, rubber don't collection. you? Yeah. Or no, do you know what, do you know what <laughs> I actually do? I, I actually, I want you to display it. Shall I take a photo of it and send it to you? <laughs> but I think you should display it in your house. I think it should wow. be like, I think you should get a shelf. Yes. And have like nice spacing in between them. Oh my God, there's a thousand. 
I can't believe there's a thousand. <laughs> I might actually I might actually keep up with it. Shall I start again? Yeah. That's such a good idea. Can you display them, please? Or maybe just the best ones. <laughs> I used to have a boyfriend that collected white t-shirts. Classy dude. Yeah. He had like maybe 200 white t-shirts, some of which had never been worn. <laughs> what? I know. That's amazing. What does it that was mean? Because it, I think there was a thing about washing in his house and being taken cared for and what that meant and none of his t-shirts were white that's how he remembers it or maybe his school shirts interesting <laughs> I would love to hear from people about have they got any weird have you got any collections from your childhood or even now that excite you interest you yeah bring you some comfort whatever do it is do you still have them have you, st- yeah. you can't bring yourself to throw them away yeah let's hear it if you've got any strange collections or any not strange collections? Hobbies or Hobbies. just things that, that you feel help you yeah, let's hear when your it. mental health is floundering or that brings you peace and you don't know why. Great. Let us know. 